Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study through the Old Testament. Uh, we're just getting going. This is week number three of 15 years worth of study. People will laugh when I say that, but I said that about the five years in the New Testament, and we did every week of five years getting the New Testament done. So 15 years uh, we'll take through Genesis, just the, or through the Old Testament. Genesis itself will take the better part of a year, because it's 50 chapters. So uh, figuring I might miss one here or there. It'll take a year to get through Genesis. And so the first five books actually take quite a bit of time. Psalms is going to take three years. Okay. You'll be here, Barry. I'm feeling good about it. You'll be here till the end. Fifteen years. You'll only be 80. You'll still be hanging. I'll only be 70. I'm going to start it all over again. It's 70. It's a whole 20-year run. That's the plan. <laughs> He'll be ready. He can start helping. I'd be 90 at the end of that second run. <laughs> All good. Um, okay, I'm, I forgot the teeth was already running, so I'm just kidding, just wasting time. We, um, we just started into the book of Genesis, like I said a few weeks ago, and, and uh, Genesis 1 sort of lays down the, the kind of the format of things happening, and then um, the writer goes back and, uh, and he sort of... Um, fills in the gaps, if you would, fills in the spaces, puts more detail into the scene, if, uh, however you might want to look at that. And, and, uh, and so we, we started that last week with uh, Genesis 2, sort of started filling in some of the gaps. Genesis 3, um, a significant, they're all significant, this is a significant chapter in, um, in the Bible, um, because uh, disguised as a shroop, uh, as a, a serpent, Satan comes and tempts Eve and Adam. And um, the evil one at one point in time had been a glorious angel, but in pride he had rebelled against God and he was cast out of heaven. And as a created being, um, the evil one has definite limitations, and so you need to remember that. Um, uh, and, and so he's ultimately trying to tempt everyone away from God. He, he does not win, uh, ultimately. And, um, in, and in fact, the verse that we'll, one of the verses that we'll talk about that you should know is in Genesis 3.15. Um, there's a promise from God that the enemy will be crushed by one of the woman's offsprings. That's the Messiah. And um, Genesis 3.15 is really sort of the, the primary continuing theme of the Old Testament. And it's, kind of, it's known as the crimson thread of redemption through the promised Messiah. And, and uh, I'm going to read it. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so um, throughout the Old Testament, as you study it um, with me over the next 15 years, um, you will see that um, the enemy will try everything he can to keep the, the promise of Genesis 3.15 from happening. And, and of course God is greater than that and, so, and, and you can follow the thread as it moves from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to David to Jesus and you will see attack after attack after attack because the enemy knows the promise and he's trying to thwart it he's trying to stop it he tries to get in and destroy the lines uh, the, the, you know, the messianic line he tries to get in and ruin the kingdoms he tries to do everything he can to keep it from happening but he can't and, and you will see how um, how amazingly 
God protects that promise throughout the Old Testament. If you've never really seen it before, I would encourage you to look for it and watch this promise, this, this, this thread of redemption that God's promised and watch it work its way through the entire Old Testament all the way to, to, to Jesus. And so um, that will start tonight and, and then we'll see it throughout the next 15 years as it pops up. Um, over that period of time, it won't be as often as you think, but <laughs> if you were sitting down and reading it, it would happen quite often. All right. So let's get into Genesis 3, 1 through 24. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat, from, uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Like I told you before, the tree of life is uh, in Revelation 22. It's back. We have access again in Christ. But at this point in time, and part of that's kind of the mercy of God, because for Adam and Eve to have lived forever in the consequence of the fall would have been unbearable. Um, that's the reality of that. So let's, uh, let's see what happens here. First uh, eight verses or so. The evil one, he tempts Eve by getting her to doubt God's goodness. And um, what he's implying is that God is strict, stingy, and selfish because he doesn't want Eve to share the knowledge of good and evil. 
And so the enemy made Eve forget all that God had given her and instead focus on what God had forbidden. And that's a constant trick of the enemy. Um, he, 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 you know, when you think about the Garden of Eden and all that God had done and all that God created, um, and everything was basically yes to them. Everything, except don't do this one thing. That was it. And the enemy twisted that and said, oh, he's tough, he's mean, he's got, he doesn't want you to have this or that. All the stuff that he'd given them. Just the fellowship, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, a perfect fellowship with God, a perfect relationship with one another. Um, no shame. Everything was exactly as, it, as you, would, you would hope it could be and will be again in Christ, you know, for us in the future. But um, there was one no, and they chose to do it anyway. And... Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something we need to be aware of in the process. Now, now, you know, why does the enemy tempt us? And, and ultimately what he's doing is it's, uh, he's inviting us to give in to his kind of life and give up on the life that God has for us. And, and so the, the enemy tempted Eve and, and, and Adam and they gave in to sin. Um, now, some people would say it was just Eve, but when it's very clear that he was standing there. He was with her. The, the way that that's written in, in the uh, Hebrew, he was standing there, and he knew better too. They both knew better. God had told them not to do it, and uh, they, they did it. So don't, don't try and pin it all on Eve. Um, they, they both had a hand in it. Adam could have said no. There'll be lots of reasons why people have a lot of reasons for why they think he didn't, but he could have said no, and he didn't. She could have said no, and she didn't. And, and, uh, and so, you know, that changed everything. But the enemy tempts everybody, even Jesus. The only difference was Jesus didn't get in. He didn't give in to it. That's the only difference. But he's tempted everybody and all of us have given in to temptation. Um, but I, I want you to read the temptation. Um, so you saw the temptation in Genesis 3 just then. Look at the temptation in Matthew 4.11. I'm going to read it to you 4.1 through 11. And you'll see that they're, they're nearly identical. Jesus was led by the Spirit to the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you and will uh, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It's also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Now, um, fascinatingly about the enemy, uh, when he's trying to tempt Jesus, he actually uses the Bible, but he twists it. But he's using scripture out of context Fortunately, Jesus knows that and answers him with Bible um, as to why he's not going to do those things. But um, one of the things about the enemy is he, he's a liar, he's a deceiver, and he twists the truth. And it's one of his favorite things, to just a twisted little. And, and he'll even use Bible and twist it. That's why we always talk about here why we go through the Bible chapter at a time for years after year after year. Context. So you, you, it's so important to have it in context so that it can't be misused against you. Um, and he used these same tricks 
um, with uh, Adam and Eve. He used them with Jesus, and he uses them with us. And so at some level, it's helpful to know that, that these tricks, they're the same three tricks. He uses them over and over again. The enemy doesn't need to change because they're pretty, he's very effective. Um, they work, they work, like I said, they worked on everybody except Jesus. So they're, they're fairly effective. Um, and the, the three tricks are actually recorded for us in 1 John 2, 16 and 17. Um, if you ever want to look those up, I'll read it to you. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Those are the three tricks. He uses them over and over and over again, and he used them in both these temptations. Um, the lust of the flesh, Adam and Eve, it was, that it, it was good for food. Um, with Jesus, it was turn these stones to bread. And with us, it's, now it's to nowadays, if it feels good, do it. So whatever you want to do. Um, lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. Adam and Eve, it was beautiful to look at. Jesus, you know, the enemy says to him, all this I will give you. And us, you know, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, you need it, you deserve it, um, and somehow life won't be complete without it. That's kind of how we get trapped with the eyes now. And we have, there's a billion, multi-billion dollar industry that tries to get you hooked in the lust of the eyes by showing you things that, and convincing you you have to have them when in fact you really don't. And they don't hear me, it's, not, it's good to have stuff and it's good to do stuff and that's all, but there's, there's times when it takes it in a completely wrong place and uh, takes us out of, out of what we need. And the pride of life, um, you know, with Adam and Eve, it's, he said, you'll, you know, you'll be like God with Jesus. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And, and basically with us, the pride of life is, you know, I did it my way, which seems to be a big deal. We want to, oh, I did it my way. Um, you know, we know that the best thing we can do is to do it his way. We want to do the next right thing. And you guys have figured out, oftentimes the next right thing and your way are not the same, right? Hope so. So, we always try and do the next right thing in the process, but these attacks are always the same and uh, will continue to be the same. And so if you're aware of them, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. If you feel yourself being tempted, you can figure out which one it is. You can stand against it now. You know, um... You used to be a slave to sin prior to Christ. Now that you're in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. That means the Holy Spirit in you can empower you to absolutely overcome and sin. Um, you, you'll never be perfect because we still will going to slip and fall. But you can make some huge progress. Um, so it's not like you, you know, you know. But before Christ, you were you were pretty much <laughs> toast. Um, so, uh, then in verse 8 and following, I think it's interesting. After the fall, so now there's the fall, and they've, they've both given in, and, uh, and all of a sudden everything's changed. I can't even imagine the, uh, what the experience must have been like when it said that um, suddenly their eyes were opened. Everything was different, just like that. Everything that they'd known, everything that they'd experienced. Um, and, you know, this, this life could have been going on for a considerably long time. I don't think they were created and they fell. It reads like that. Here we go, boom, here we are, and boom, we fall. I don't, I don't think so. I think there was probably quite a bit of time before the fall, in my opinion. Um, and it may not have been, but I think there was a, a considerable amount of time um, that they experienced this amazing life, and then everything changed, just like that. Everything. Their eyes were opened, and uh, for the first time they realized they were naked, and so they, it's kind of funny, they, they, uh, they try and kind of hide it 
and, and you know, you think it's funny that here's these two trying to hide from God, um, you know, and, and put on the fig leaves and everything, and uh, uh, you think, well, that's kind of, it's, it's almost humorous in the process. But we do that stuff all the time. We try and hide from God. Like, and, you know, you can't hide anything from God. And so um, we, we, you know, we, we'll sometimes act like God doesn't really know what we're doing. He always does. So, um, you know, the very freeing... I've said this before. You, you should always... Have you, have you ever watched those shows where they're videotaping people secretly? And, uh, and, and you think, oh, that's weird. Not in a bad way, you know what I mean? But... Uh, because that's, but you know, like in the workplace and stuff, and they got, and you see people doing things, and you think, well, that, why in the world are they doing that? Um, uh, and I always had it uh, when I used to work out at the gym. They always had cameras in there, and I always had in the back of my mind that they they were internet watching that because they didn't have it staffed, and so so I wouldn't, you know, because the cameras were on, I knew that I shouldn't go and do pose downs in the mirror. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's not what you want everybody to see. Um, but if you think you're by yourself, you can get carried away. I don't. It probably happens with you. <laughs> and so I came out of that experience, and I thought, I thought to myself, you know, you should live like you're always like that, because God's always watching. You always, somebody's, He is always watching. Even the stuff we think that we're getting away with. Anyway, I think it's kind of interesting. And um, so Adam and Eve hid. Uh, and they were afraid to show themselves because that sin, sin had broken their relationship with God and sin broke our relationship with God same thing our sin broke our relationship with God um, but Jesus makes a way for that to be restored um, you'll also it, it, we'll read uh, and we read in the in this, it's in Corinthians that um, Jesus is the second Adam and so he makes everything new again when he comes and dies on the cross and then this is kind of interesting too in verse 11 when God asks Adam about his sin you know what Adam does? he blames Eve you know what Eve does? she blames a serpent you ever get caught doing something and blame somebody else? yes you have we call that the Adamic proclivity which means we're just like Adam and if we get caught doing something we always want to push the blame on somebody else it's much some of it anyway because we just can't stand there it's very hard for us just to go yeah I did it yeah, that was me. Um, we should be able to, but we can't because of all these things. So, um, but God always knows the truth. And so really the best place for us to do is to get to the place of honesty and repentance where we admit what we've done and, you know, confess it to God. And, and then uh, and don't try and get away with it by blaming somebody else. And, um, but, you know, that situation, you've been in it, you've, you've seen people in it. And, and uh, it, it happens all the time. But, but it was, I, yeah, okay, I did it, but it was really because of this. It was, it was her, you know, it was his fault. It was, it was his fault. Um, so, so don't try and do that. And don't try and hide. And don't try, you know, the, the, don't try and wear masks and pretend to be something you're not. None of it's healthy. Then um, the rest of the chapter, uh, and, and the rest of the book actually, begins to record the... Um, the stories of, of lives that are ruined by the fall. The result of the fall is horrendous. Um, and, and so uh, the fellowship that we had experienced with God initially is broken. And um, the Genesis 3.15, everything comes into place again to restore it. And you see the process until Christ comes. 
but um, sin destroyed our relationship with God. Jesus restored, makes, it destroyed, makes a way back possible at the cross. But um, all that's taking place. And, um, you know, the, 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 en- the evil one's our enemy, and he will do anything he can to get us to follow um, and, and live his way instead of God's way. And so, like I said, way back then, the, God is revealing the plan of dealing with that in Genesis 3.15. Um, they had a perfect life in the garden amid verses 22 and 24 um, they could have lived there forever but after disobeying um, Adam and Eve um, they, they no longer deserved paradise and they had to go also so they couldn't reach from the tree of life and eat forever uh, live forever um, and, and, uh, and really be, because living in a state of sin um, in, in, in eternity would mean forever trying to hide from God and, and it, they just couldn't do it so, you know, we have to stay separated from God. Sin separates us from God because uh, there's no other way for that to happen. And, um, and yet we know from the promises that God's preparing for us a new earth and, uh, and an eternal paradise for his people. So as difficult as, you know, the, all of the mess that we look at and see, the, the brokenness of the world around us is a result of this action in Genesis 3. Um, we have the hope knowing that, that he's at work restoring it and that Jesus has come and that Jesus is coming back again. And so for us on this side of all of that, there's, there's a much different life and the promise of life and the hope of life. But at the moment and the impact of the fall, everything changed. And, and so now we begin to see, just so when you read the, when you read the Old Testament, no, now what happens is there's this cosmic battle that's going on between the evil one and God. It's never a fair fight because God is God and uh, the evil one has limitations. But he's going to take as many people down with him as he possibly can. That's his whole deal. And, and, um, and so that's, that's what's going to take place as we continue on. And all of the stuff that you see God doing because he loves his people to move them in the right direction and to see this plan of redemption come, you'll see that and you'll see the enemy just fighting it everywhere again. And uh, we'll watch that throughout the Old Testament. But uh, that's good for Genesis 3. Lots of stuff there, but uh, you can chew on those things this week. If you're watching my video, thank you for doing that. Appreciate you doing it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time right here for Genesis 4.